Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to our fourth team preview before the WNBA season kicks off here in just a couple weeks. Thanks for tuning in. I am Logan Jones, and with me tonight is my co-host, Steve Schwartzman. Steve, how you doing? Oh, I am swell, and I'm excited to talk some Dallas basketball or whatever we're going to talk about, because Logan hasn't announced it yet, even though it's in the title of the episode. Uh, yeah, they, they read the title. They know this is this is the Wings episode. It's Woo! the Wings. I love Wings. D- is this where we episode. make the joke of like we should have ordered Wings and ate Wings while we talked about the Wings? And no, but watch I will the West say, Wing. After, and- after the jersey reveals uh, a month ago, it, like the success of the Indiana Fever Stranger Things jersey makes me feel like you were really on to something uh, when we when we were talking about what teams should do creativity wise. I think teams should go weird. Like if the Dallas wings legitimately had like wing stop wings type like imagery on their uniform, it would probably be a smash hit. It would go Straight viral. Up, like, People would buy it. Like, a white Jersey. That's got like stains on it. It's got like, <laughs> like Buffalo wing stains. on. It. I thought you were going to call out me saying the West wing and like, you could do like a West wing style jersey, but that's not even in Dallas. That's a DC, but it's, it's got wing in it. You see, or wings, the show wings, you know, people watch that. I think I same people who probably watched Jag watched wings. Um, was it in like the chips era? That's what I'm picturing. But something like that. It was, it was sort of in the cheers Frasier universe because oh. Frasier crane was on the show. He's, he actually, uh, weirdly enough, um, Frasier crane is known as the only TV character to be nominated for an Emmy on three different shows. Like that That's specific hilarious. character, Kelsey Grammer as Frazier Crane was nominated for an Emmy on three different shows. Before Marvel was connecting like all 30 of their movies, Frazier was just like, what if I was in every, every show? Frazier Crane with the most <laughs> ambitious crossover in history. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in WMB nation. This, this is the Dallas wings episode. Uh, this is, uh, as you know, we've been going in reverse order of the wobble standings from last year. This is our fourth team preview, which means Dallas didn't do fantastically last year, but we're going to dig into it. Uh, we are going to cover how they got to where they are today. We'll get to returning players, key departures, key acquisitions. We'll talk about whether we think they could be a playoff team this year, and we'll give you some fun facts about the Dallas Wings. Uh, but before we dig into all of that, we're just we're just going to give you a brief overview. They uh, They were once the Detroit Shock. Uh, if you're new to the WNBA, you aren't aware of kind of where Dallas Wings came from. They were the Detroit Shock under uh, Coach Bill Lambeer for several years, and they were among the WNBA's most successful franchises. This is a like historically rich franchise in terms of championships. One, they won three WNBA titles in Detroit under Coach Lambeer. Uh, they then moved to Tulsa, where the Tulsa Shock frankly sucked for most of 2010 to 2015. They did not make the playoffs. Uh, five out of the six years that they were there. And then the Dallas Wings uh, became a thing in 2016, and they've been there uh, ever since. They've missed the playoffs the last two seasons. They haven't been to a conference final since 2009, so it's been a little bit. But they got some stuff going for them. They got some new players, and obviously we're going to cover all of that 
right now. They went eight and 14 last season, Steve, in the wobble, uh, one and nine in conference, which was, uh, particularly, uh, disappointing. I think they've got Arike Agumbawale and some other pieces we'll dig into in more detail. But what was your impression of the wobble season for the Dallas Wings? Not much. I think this was an int- it was an interesting year for them because it was the first of two years where they knew they were kind of going to jettison the roster for the sake of bringing in a large handful of draft picks. And they ended up doing something that I didn't expect. And I think a lot of people didn't expect, which is they kept those picks and they bet on them and they tried them out. And I think they got good reps, but I think overall it was not heavily an eventful overall season for them. I mean, not just in standings, but just, I think they were figuring things out. I think there's more energy toward now, uh, but that's really it. And I'm talking about a team, by the way, that was one game out of, of playoff contention as I look at it. It's yeah. funny. It's funny how the Wubble went last year in those last picks because they only won eight games, but they were a game shy of making the playoffs against the defending champions. So I clearly don't know what I'm talking about, but. No, that was exactly my impression, too. I mean, this is a team. It was a shortened season last year, but he played like 21, 22 games. So they went eight and 14, but nine and 13 was enough for the Mystics to slip into the playoffs. Um, but I, my impression is the same as yours. They didn't strike me as being close to a playoff team at all. Uh, they didn't strike me as much of anything at all. And this is, this is weird. There's only 12 teams in the WNBA. So each one you'd think would kind of have a distinct personality and, and kind of story arc to follow. Dallas is interesting because I don't know if they necessarily have that. We've interviewed Greg Bibb, who's the team president on this show before. Super cool guy, super straight shooter. We reference his interview all the time because it was awesome. Uh, and before last season's draft, basically told us the season before, 2019, they weren't a very good team. They didn't shoot the ball well, they didn't rebound, and they needed to get better. So they drafted a bunch of picks. They made a bunch of moves. They had an okay season where they missed the playoffs by a game. Now here we are uh, a year later, and I'll tell you right now, I'm looking at my notes. Returning players, there's some things to be excited about. Departures, there's almost nothing. And then acquisitions is entirely the 2021 draft because yes. they had they had so much. They had four picks in the top 13 of this year's draft, uh, which I, I guess I'm getting ahead of myself. But we we're going to talk about acquisitions uh, probably more than anything else because the returning players uh, in, in terms of key returning players list, it's pretty short. Be totally honest with you. They got Alicia Gray, someone that we like in the league. They got Ty Harris in last year's draft. Um, one of one of I think Steve and I are both on board with her being potentially uh, one of the best guards to come out of that draft, and and that was a guard heavy draft, so that's saying something. They got Satu Sabli out of Oregon, also in last year's draft. We like her a lot. And the key player here on this roster, if you're new to the league and you need to know what's going on, Arike Ogumbawale. 19 points per game in her two seasons in the league. Uh, if you know anything about women's basketball, you probably remember her scoring game winners in both the NCAA semifinals and finals a couple years ago. Um, she's been in Dallas ever since, kind of trying to become their central focal point superstar type player. Not there yet, but could be. And based also, I was going to say, based also on uh, Twitter mentions and, and uh, trends I've seen in past years, you might also know Ricky Agumbawale of Dancing with the Stars fame. Possibly. Because <laughs> that also happened. That's all I, I did got. not know that. I did research about this show, and I, I still didn't know that. Uh, Steve, I, I wanted to toss it to you anyway. Um, Arike kind of is set up to be 
like I said, the focal point of this team. Can she be that, or is this team misguided to be asking that of her? She absolutely can be. I think she proved in her rookie season she has that ability. While it was defensively minded full on, I think she had the potential to show that last year, but just due to a lot of different circumstances, that wasn't quite the wash. Where I think it helps in Enrique's case is – she sort of has that partner in crime with Sabali where they could potentially come together and be that effective one-two punch that this team desperately needs. If, if Agumba Wale can purely focus on being a backcourt commander, and I mean, she loves to drive the lane, she'll find her way under the basket, but to, to be able to command the backcourt and allow another player to focus on, on being the general down low, I think that puts her in a really good position. Uh, where I'm curious with Agumba Wale is at that level of being the star player who is also the, I'd almost say emotional jettison of this team. You know, is she really, is she, is she going to be that player who lifts people, works with players, you know, that type of team chemistry level pieces that's, that's up in the air. And, and I have nothing negative to say that just, I don't know what metrics support that. But just in terms of her game, I think that's well within her. I I feel like Arike is on her way to becoming an all-star starter this year. Um, and I feel pretty strongly in saying that. Whether that translates to wins, is, it's hard to tell. Yeah, I agree. I, I think we've done, in the past, we've done uh, three team previews before this. And each one we've said, you know, this could be a sneaky pick if they get off to a hot start, this and that. This team missed the game or the playoffs by a game last year, and they had so many close losses to good opponents that I think Arike is good enough to keep them in games. And some of the help that they've got coming in, in in terms of this year's draft class might be enough to push them over the top. They had a three point loss to the Sparks. They had a four point loss to the Aces. They had a pretty close loss to the Storm at the end of the season. Like they, they weren't just a team that was beating up on the league's worst teams to get a handful of wins. And that's, you know, that's kind of what, you know, the Liberty, the fever and, and the dream, that was kind of their MO last season. They were, they were kind of beating up on each other, gathering a couple wins here or there. Dallas is a little bit further ahead. They're, they're a little bit closer, I think, than those other teams. And I, I think they, like Arike, if she comes into her own in her third year, which is kind of, in my mind, the big year. I think that's where you need to take the step forward after you've been in the league a little while and you know what's expected of you and you know the team's been built around you now for a couple seasons. This is her year to step forward. Um, they're under new leadership. They've got a new coach. Brian Agler is out. Um, so I, I hope we see a lot from Enrique. As you said, I hope she's like an all-star caliber talent this year because that would tell me this Dallas team is probably going to slip into the playoffs one way or another. Excited about Ty Harris to be back as well. She was fun to watch last season. As I mentioned before, not a lot of departures. Uh, so this is going to be much uh, much more the same type of team you're going to see this year uh, as last year compared to, like for instance, Atlanta, whose team preview we just did earlier, um, where, where they lost a, a kind of some key players. Um, that departure is Katie Lou Samuelson, who they traded to Seattle for the number one overall pick in this year's 2021 draft. Uh, since that's so short, I'm going to just move right to acquisitions, which is the 2021 draft. Dallas went pit crazy again for the second year in a row. And they picked up number one overall, Charlie Collier, number two overall, Awa Queer, and then at number five, Chelsea Dungy, and number 13, Dana Evans. 
who some um, among the co-hosts of this podcast consider to be potentially the best guard in the entire draft. So in a draft that many considered to be fairly weak and without a surefire superstar available at number one, Dallas walks away with four players that, Steve, I know you are a big fan of. Yeah. So, I mean, tell, talk to me about this Dallas draft. So here's the thing. is I, I, I actually don't rate this draft as high as many will simply because I don't know if I'd have went with Collier and Queer at one and two simply because I feel like you were making two like potential level picks and you could have made one impactful level pick, right? Because as I look at it, you could have picked up a Derry McDonald in, in one of those spots and ended up with a player who could make that immediate impact. Uh, I don't know. Collier's very much being branded as like in time, she's going to be a star. It may not happen right away. Queer is a similar case. Sometimes when it comes with picking up players overseas, there's a bit of a, a bridge to that. And that may happen. Here's the thing. A lot of people are calling out Ari McDonald. The player I was calling out was Dana Evans. And when they passed on her, I was upset. What I didn't realize is they were going to end up freaking getting Dana Evans anyway. So good for them on that. The kicker with this was I was not expecting. I, I think Chelsea Dungy is going to make so much more noise than people are expecting. That's my gut feeling right now. I think she's got that in her. I think the energy speaks for itself and I'm, I, I, there's just a lot to be energetic about. I was, I didn't have her on my draft board at that point, but when they picked her up, I was thrilled. You can go back and look up clips from our stream. I was over the moon about that pick. I think it's a great one. So that's one that I legitimately go like, that's a spark of energy that I think makes a lot of cool sense. Um, I think Dana Evans is going to work her way up this roster faster than people may. Uh, wonder, I, I think there will be some sort of combination between herself and Ty Harris and Enrique uh, as far as that backcourt or to the three spot potentially looks. I don't know exactly how that's going to play out. So there's a lot to be excited about. This is a similar one to Atlanta, who we recently discussed, which is just how do these gel? How do these come together? Um, and this is a harder one because I think you... Uh, they had a draft like you have in a rebuild following an immediate season where they had a draft like you'd have in a rebuild. It's really hard to tell what trajectory they consider themselves on. Yeah. It's tough to turn to a group of rookies and say, you're the ones we need to take us to the next level. You know, you're the ones that instead of losing close games, we want you to help us win close games. Well, and and also look at four or five rookies and say, we need you to be the veterans who take on these four or five rookies and get them ready. Like that's how it feels. But if if there were a group of rookies to do it, I'm I'm really I'm a believer in these players. I know Charlie Collier. I wasn't crazy about her. I think she she's probably a little overrated. I wouldn't have drafted her first overall. But as a whole, I think between her and Awa Queer and the defense they can provide, and the buckets Chelsea Dungey and Dana Evans can provide, and just the spark in competition in in the preseason and going into the season they can add. I mean. If this team really goes all in on making Arike the centerpiece, they've they've given her a lot of pieces. And and again, this is a team that probably should be a year away from doing anything meaningful. But they were really close last year to to getting you know getting on top of teams that were better than them. Um, and this this always leads to the same discussion for every team preview. I, I want to direct it towards like why why people might want to be a fan of the Dallas Wings. I think Dallas Wings might be the most slept on team in the league right now. 
Like everybody who's good, you know, is good. Everybody who's getting better and is going to be in the playoffs this year, like the Minnesota Lynxes of the world, everyone's kind of on to them. I don't think people are on to Dallas as much right now. You know, people saw their uniforms in, in the offseason. They were like, oh, like we don't like their rebel uniforms. And we know Enrique is there. And we know they've got a bunch of draft picks. But I don't think they're being talked about as any sort of threat in the immediate future. And to me, like, I love some of the moves that Liberty made picking up Natasha Howard. I love some of the things the Atlanta Dream are doing. But I think this team's closer. I mean, the numbers say that this team's closer. Um, and I I really like Awa Queer. I think she can step in immediately and play big minutes for this team. And Chelsea Dungy, I think, is close behind. And I think Dana Evans is going to play mad. And I think Charlie Collier is going to have a lot of help and that she can develop. So, I mean, Arike is like one of the most veteran players on this team. She's going into her third season. They're super, super raw, super, super young. But there are reasons to be excited. I see that. I, I'm not as energetic toward it only because I just don't know if they truly know what their package is going to look like because they have a nest of, of front court players who all could potentially be put in a spotlight position. So it's hard to tell, like, does the backcourt belong to Satu Sali? Does uh-huh. it belong to Awak Queer? And that's a decision you need to make and build upon for success, the backcourt's a very similar situation. I think we know Enrique is a centrifuge there, but outside of that, who else is filling that role? Because Dan Evans makes some sense, and Alicia Gray, former Rookie of the Year, makes some sense, but also Dungy could really work her way into that position. And Ty Harris has tried really hard to work her way into that position. And I think there's a lot of... Freaking Marina Mabry might find a way. Like, sure. there's a lot of different situations of... I worry that they're going to have to really mess around with these combos a lot to find the mix of, uh, like we were sort of on potential opposite ends with Atlanta. And I feel like we're going to be on opposite ends now of that. It just doesn't feel like now for me, I think there's a couple pieces that will actually set some stuff in motion. Um, and it's, so it's hard for me to immediately jump in and say, yeah, I'm on with this team. It, I think it's going to have to take a little more fixturing. Um, that said, I'm always randomly a big fan of Notre Dame players. For some reason, when I list my favorite <laughs> players, they tend to come from Notre Dame. And this is a team stupid with Notre Dame players right now. They got three of them. So, so maybe that's the kicker. We'll play a little bit of floor ceiling here. I think, uh, we're, we're just getting into where in the previous team previews, we've kind of ignored the floor part of the discussion because these are teams where like they're one injury away from being terrible, right? Like just last place in the league type teams. I I don't know if you consider Dallas one of those teams or not. In, in my mind, they're still easily like if if things go really wrong for the Dallas Wings, I can see them finishing in last place. So to me, their floor is the floor of the league. Do you feel that way, or or do you think they're above that point? I I think there's high potential that that could happen. Um, yeah. I think there's a lot of that. I. I also think with with Atlanta's discussion, we talked a lot about morale, and they kind of had opposite morale in that they had a couple moves that, in terms of of the public eye, were very strong standing on the emotional level. I think there was a lot of controversy behind their Rebel jersey situation, and that flipped, obviously, for, for the right reasons, but something that someone probably should have caught much earlier than, than they did. Sure. That said, I don't want to... You know, on the basketball spectrum of it, yeah, I just think if they 
a couple things just need to fall one way or the other and things could fall, it could be discombobulated for them. It just really sure. kind of comes down to like, I think they're going to hit a lull point during the season. That's natural. The timing of that's going to be key for them because if that's toward yeah. the back half of the season, it's going to be a really hard thing for them to maintain any level of success. Yeah. In terms of ceiling, do you think they can pass any of the teams that finished in front of them in the wobble and therefore make it into the playoffs. And remember, if you've been listening, if you do the math, the bar for making the playoffs this season, probably around 13 or 14 wins. Do you think they can pass the Mystics or whoever it is down there in the 7th or 8th seed and get to that point if things go right for them? I'm not feeling it right now. I think the large level of the draft that they had coming off of a, another large draft where it just felt like they... It almost felt like they started over and then started over again. And I, I just don't feel this squad right now coming in and playing explosive competitive basketball. And that's not to say that they're making wrong moves. I think legitimately in 2022, there is high potential for them to make it work. Um, one thing that could potentially play in their favor as you look at this, and this is a random call out. They almost universally get to rest players during this Olympic break. Uh, and that's actually kind of a huge boon for them. That's and, a good point. And by the way, that, that heavily, in, I believe, includes Katie Lou, who I believe is doing three on three, who would have been at the behest of that, but is now in Seattle. Um, so obviously we're not going to be seeing WNBA games during that break. So it's not like they get to take advantage of it in that sense, but, uh, they they're in a situation where if coming into that Olympic break, they actually find the sauce that works for them and they're given sure. three weeks to fine tune that and come out swinging. It bodes well for them. So those first few weeks are pivotal for them. And I'm just not feeling that calling out by the way, the differential here, because I think a lot of people want to call out Atlanta, my Atlanta take and say, like, wouldn't you say the same thing about Atlanta? I actually think the difference is coaching here. You're looking at a new coach in Vicky Johnson, as well as all of these new players. It just feels like there's so much fresh product that it's just going to take a minute to stew things over. So I'm not feeling it right now. I would say if I had to pick my four teams that are probably out, if I made full predictions, I'd probably include Dallas on the list at the moment. I think that's fair. Um, I got to walk something back that I've said a lot this episode just because I want to be clear. I, I keep saying they should be a little bit ahead of, of the other three teams we've covered, the three teams that they finished ahead of in the Wubble. Um, they should be and they have the potential to be. But in my mind, if you were to if you were to ask me right now whether I thought Dallas could slip into that eight seed or New York, I would probably bet on New York. And they, I mean, they won three games last year. New York was not good, but I'll, I'll say, I can tell you why. And the reason is because I think the Liberty have established an identity. I think they know that Sabrina and Bitnigelani and Natasha Howard is going to be their core for, you know, in 2027. That's going to be their team. Uh, this Dallas team, as excited I am for many of their rookies and their second year players and Enrique to kind of come into her own because it's so new. I, and because even the coach, the coach is new. I, I think getting rid of Brian Agler was the right call. I think that alone will make this a, a positive, like that's going to be a net positive for this team. I don't think they have an identity. I like, I don't know who they are. I don't know what their future plans are. 
I, I enjoy the spirit of competition and throwing a bunch of young guns on the floor to kind of experiment a lot and see what works. But I don't think that process is going to lead to a lot of wins, at least not this season. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see what happens. I, I think they're a very intriguing team to watch. And I think if you wanted to be a fan of the WNBA and you're in Texas, you're in Dallas, or you have a favorite player that got drafted to Dallas this offseason, I think there's a lot of intrigue. But I don't think that experiment is going to lead immediately to results um, because I don't think they have as clear an idea of who they want to be. I think Atlanta knows and I think New York knows. And even to an extent, Indiana kind of knows, but they're still searching for their star. And Dallas wants Arike to be that, but they're they're going to just I, I wonder how many different lineups the Wings will use this year just to basically see what works. I think. At key points of this roster will look very different next season. But the one thing that's going to be strong for Dallas coming out of the season, if nothing else, is the base level will be what it is. Like, they, I think they'll have a really good idea of like, this is what we're now building on. And next year's offseason is going to be critical to their next five to seven seasons in terms of, of what pieces they add, how they're building on it, and how they're accentuating. Cause they have the potential to really key this together. If you want a good comparison, I would really compare this Dallas team to the, the Chicago Sky of two, three seasons ago of riddled with talent, riddled with athleticism, riddled with positive atmosphere. Brand new coach who seems to come in ready to swing. But are they quite to where they need to be to piece it together? It might take some baking and it also might take adding a piece that really fits things all together. And you look at where Chicago is now. I feel like that's the stage Dallas is in and they have the potential to to turn it into something pretty cool. It just doesn't feel like now's the moment. Yeah. If if you were to extrapolate like of if you were to play floor ceiling for the Dallas Wings three seasons from now, they could be the worst team in the league or a powerhouse. Um we we know like uh, we're all excited for Dungey and Evans and Harris and we've we've mentioned Enrique about 50 times on this podcast at this point charlie collier and awa queer like we're excited for what they could bring to the table having the first two picks in a draft like even without an asia wilson-esque player at the top you're still adding premium talent and and giving yourself a good chance for it to work out because some of the, the draft is just playing the odds and playing the numbers and the odds are dallas got at least one probably two players for their future in those in those first couple picks that they made um so, so it could, you know, I would be very excited next off season doing team previews with you and saying, Hey, Dallas had a better year than we expected. We know who they are now. They're a team that goes out and they're nasty. Like they got personality up the butt. They, they want to get after you defensively or they want to shoot threes or, you know, they want to get up and down and make it into a track meet or they want to grind it out and play slow Memphis Grizzlies basketball. But I don't know what that personality is right now. So it's hard for me to be excited about the potential that, that I know the talent on the roster holds. Um, I really enjoy your take that the Memphis Grizzlies are the patron saints of playing stout defense and having a mid range. Uh, no, 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 no. Just, just in terms of slowing the pace of play down. I just want to be clear. Work that, that, clock. that was their thing for a lot of, a lot of time for, for the Zach Randolph years. Weren't they called like the grind it out era or something like that? Like, yeah, it was legitimately, they wanted to beat you winning with, with like 66 points. And in the NBA today, that's like, that's like irresponsible. Like you can't do that. Anymore. Yeah. That's how, that's what you have to finish at the half nowadays. 
Um, yeah. um, I, I wouldn't be shocked if this time next season, the shot clock is like four seconds. Uh, <laughs> but I do, I want the wings. They don't have to have a gimmick, but I want them to have a core moving forward and people that they're sold on and committed to from these last two draft classes. I just want to know what they're about. Yes. Yes. I want to get a feel. What is this team about? I don't quite know it yet. And I wonder if that's why they have all of these talented guards and all of these talented front court players with high levels of upside who don't necessarily seem on paper like they will work well together because they're almost trying to weed out, okay, what truly are we about? And once they figure that out, they're going to hold on to the pieces that make that happen. They're, they're honestly, they remind me of like the Mighty Ducks scene where you're getting introduced to like the, the ringers that they've pulled in from around the country in D2. And it's like, this is so and so. He brings like this amazing positive to the table, but he's got like a glaring weakness. And, and we wonder if he'll overcome that. And they just have a collect, they have like a roster of 12 players like that. Where I'm like, oh, like your potential is so so high. Also, maybe in the league, like like three years from now, you won't be in the league, or you'll be on a different team. I don't know because I don't know what Dallas is trying to do. Absolutely, uh, and it's just hard to put your wagon behind their most seasoned player as we're looking at the roster is Kayla Thornton, who is a fifth year veteran. So you're looking at a five, fifth year player being your your highest tenured player as it stands right now. That's a lot of good upside, but we got, we really, we've got some fun ingredients, but we got to bake this pie. I, I do not think any of the teams in front of them are susceptible. Well, everybody can be susceptible. They're one injury away or one, you know, bad Olympic, the Olympic break comes at the wrong time or Dallas gets off to a hot start or something like that. I would say, this is a team looking at probably 11 wins, like probably like thinking about the playoffs, but towards the end of the season, it's pretty clear. They're not going to make the playoffs. Yeah, I could see that. That's that's I, I guess, you know, two, two games out of the playoffs, even at the end of the season means you're still giving yourself a, a chance, but I just don't see them overtaking any of the teams that we're going to be talking about in future team previews. Yeah, but I've been wrong before and I'd be excited to be wrong again. Uh, you should be a fan this season of the Dallas Wings in part because our own Jason Snow is going to be down there. Uh, the reason that, that it's taken some uh, a little bit of time to get these episodes out is because our producer Jason is looking for a house and uh, he's, he's going to be in the area. So you can you know go hook up with Jason, see a game, uh, wear, wear the sweet new uniforms. Get excited for a weekend. Get excited for the Olympics. I don't know why that started to sound like a weird call out pitch of just like, so he's looking for a house. So if any of you've got a house, <laughs> just like a spare house kicking around, he, he could I'm use sure one. he would appreciate it. Yeah. But yeah. Um, so, so we're going to add the wings to this show's a large collection of, of teams that we've seen live, uh, hopefully this season. And I, I'm excited for that. Good stuff. Um, as, as co-hosts, that's always fun because we always leave venues going, I guess. Like I, every time I've seen a team play in person, I'm like, ah, I'm just a fan of them now. I guess yep. <laughs> I can't, I can't help but like them. So I know you've got a, a fun stat. I've got a fun stat for you on Dallas, really quick. We talked about the youth of this team, um, so much so, the oldest player, not by career, but just by age, uh, on this roster was born in 1992. They don't have a single player on the current listed roster on their website that was born Boy. in the 80s. 
1992. <laughs> and their youngest player, recent draftee Alwak Queer, was born August 19th, 2001. No, no, we can't be there already. We're getting there. Like we, I don't like that. <laughs> it's interesting. This is, this is going to sound almost dark, but it's really interesting to me that probably this time next year, we're going to see a lot of players who are post 9-11 babies. That's wild. Uh, yeah, that's, that's where, that, we're, that's that is crazy. That's how the world works. Yeah. As, as time goes, but, uh, that tells you how insanely young this roster is. And I understand that you're, you're closing in on your mid thirties if you were born at all in the eighties, uh, to, to play professional sports at this point. But that said, uh, 92 to 2001 is the birth range within this entire roster. That's how young this go, team is. Uh, we talk about not quite the time. That's how young this team is. Yeah. Which is again, you know, a reason to be a fan of this team is whatever you see from them this year, it's their floor because these players are still developing. They're still probably physically growing. They're still expanding their skill sets. This is not the, you know, the end result. This isn't the only Arike Agumboala you're ever going to see. I mean, she's in her third year as a pro. Um, and, and like I said, I, I tend to think that both in the NBA and the WNBA, Three years is about the length of time I give a player to really go from raw, unpolished rookie to we we got to start developing into the player you're going to be for your career. Yeah. Um, and all these most of these Dallas Wings players aren't going to be there until 2024. So, um, yeah, I Steve, I've gone my entire life being the same age as Mike Trout, and and it and it just feels like crap. Just <laughs> it just feels like crap. To just be like, oh, he's batting over 400. Uh, and I'm, you know, I'm moving into a basement apartment in Smithfield, Utah pretty soon. So <laughs> I believe I'm eight days older than Connor McGregor. <laughs> That's a good one. Like That's we were born with like a, like a little over a week apart from each other. Uh, not fun to think about. That's and a good and one. If, if you don't like him as a fighter, that's one thing. But our wallets are so different. <laughs> so phenomenally different, man. That's the Dallas wings. That's the show. That's the, that's it. Four conference championships in their history. Three WNBA titles back in their Detroit days. Ty Harris. Welcome back. Charlie Collier. Let's, let's see it. Number one overall pick Charlie Collier. She's going to have something to prove. This is actually a, a interesting potential W history idea where, you know, we've been doing three parters, it won't always be the case when we have a topic. Sometimes it'll be one episode. Sometimes it'll be a couple. I don't foresee doing more than three, but who knows? Uh, if you had a three-parter, you could legitimately do a Detroit Shock episode and a Tulsa Shock episode and a Dallas Wings episode. Yeah. That's intriguing to me. Yeah. Uh, we'll just have to see what's going to happen with that. I, 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 we're, we have a season to kick off and then I have a baby coming. So it might be a while before we have W history That's unless right. someone else thinks one up, but Steve, uh, Steve has a son and he is adorable and he likes dinosaurs and we love, we love Henry. Uh, good but, heavens. But, does he love dinosaurs? But Steve's going to be a girl dad soon. Oh my gosh. I can't wait. And I'm also scared to death, but I can't <laughs> wait. Um, I'm still taking submissions. If you have, if anyone has any ideas for, uh, any WNBA or women's basketball inspired, uh, girl names. Um, we think we have a name picked. It technically doesn't, uh, immediately adopt anything from the league, but if someone has one and it wins the race, we, we just might call it out. So who knows? So if you have any ideas, tweet me 
I would like you to convince your wife, Jenny, to agree to name your soon-to-be-born daughter after whoever this year's Rookie of the Year is. <laughs> Just open-ended. Whoever wins Rookie of the Year, that's who it is. Oh, so my you gosh. Could, you could get an Aerie. You could get a, a Charlie with an I, which is which is cool. Uh who are the other who are the other big ones? Well, here's the thing is like for instance, what if Chelsea Dungey wins rookie of the year? I get Chelsea, but we have a Chelsea within like our family circle. Nah, it doesn't so matter. do I go but do I go do I go Dungey Schwartzman? Maybe. Do I just go crazy and do I, that? I, I mean, think you should you table. should convince you should commit this year's rookie. I want of the year. Schwartzman. <laughs> like it's on it's on the table. Like I'm not ruling it out. Uh, it's it's there's weirder ideas in the universe. Dana could totally work. Uh, DD, uh, DD Ariel could work. DD, yeah, there you have it. Michaela, uh, I I only think that this will be an issue in that our child will be, I believe, four months old by the time that awards are given out. You could you could uh, just call her rookie until then. You could just go a couple months just yeah. with a placeholder. I don't know. Maybe that and, messes up baby brains. And I, I don't can't know. I do I know what some people are thinking. I can't do the placeholder of pulling from last season because I have a sister named Crystal and so we can't have another Crystal Schwartzman. So I can't I can't do Crystal Dangerfield. So we'll see. I'll see what I can pull off. If not, um I know that I did my best. It's know worth that a I shot. tried very hard. But it's I'd worth love a shot. if you have any fun ideas. Uh, tweet me, tweet the show. Let us, let me know what you think. Yeah. Speaking of tweeting the show at WNBA nation pod on Twitter. Uh, we were also available in podcast form everywhere where you can partake in podcasts. And in general, we will record our shows, uh, as we are Twitch streaming. So you can find us on Twitch and give us a subscription there to help support the show. Uh, if you have Amazon prime and subscribe to our show, it's absolutely free to you. And it helps financially support us to do some cool things during the season. And we really appreciate that. We will also read five-star reviews of our podcast on air. So we'll give you a shout-out if you do that. We really appreciate being found, especially at this time of year, by people looking into the WNBA, trying to get some information about potentially being a new fan. Uh, Steve, we were new fans once, uh, not too yes. long ago. And it was content like this that was hard to come by uh, that kind of helped us not just dip our toes in, but dive headfirst into this league and enjoy a whole lot of fun memories in the last five years that we've been doing this. So uh, we want to be that for you and your friends and people who are getting into it. Uh, so if people are looking for the league, your five-star review helps them find us. Uh, Steve, any other plugs that I'm going to miss? I think that covers a lot of it. Uh, if you're listening to this and it's coming in time, the challenge cup may not be quite over. So can, we'll still have some, epi- uh, Mike and I will be doing some NWSL nation episodes to kick up the challenge cup. NWSL season will be kicking up the same weekend as WNBA season. So you'll have a lot of women's sports to get connected with and be excited about. So we obviously can't wait for all of that good stuff. Check out our store envy page. Yeah, please give us reviews. I mean it when I say uh, there have been several five-star reviews that have legitimately made me like hazy-eyed, like have turned a horrid day into a very good day. It's been so overwhelming, some of the responses we've gotten. And even if it's not uh, a soliloquy of, of high level of, of, of words and a big, huge emotional response, uh, the, the support 
that we get in reading those reviews and just hearing how people feel about the show means the absolute world to us. You guys may not know this. Um, we make a total of like zero cents <laughs> on the show in terms of profit. We just do it because we love talking about the league. We love connecting with people. We especially love connecting with new fans or people who find some motivation through the show. Um, I think a recent comment that's meant a lot to a lot of us was, uh, a young girl who said that the show's given her motivation to continue to play basketball because we know how in those early, you know, preteen to teen years, a high percentage of girls leave a sports because the motivation isn't as heavily there as it is for the boys. So to hear that there are young people who are staying inspired to play the game and to be excited about the game because of something like our podcast that you couldn't pay me anything better. I, I love uh, that. That just really makes my day. And that's a cool thing as a soon to be girl dad. That means a heck of a lot to me. So we, we love those responses. Obviously it helps us get seen and gets found and heard, but also just the warm fuzzies. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and say that doesn't play a role. Yeah. A hundred percent agree. I remember that specific review and, and obviously those are the sorts of things that helps us get the word out um, and just get out there to help cover the league more and, and just make it more commonplace to see WNBA stuff on the Twitter timeline and um, just make it more a part of the national sports discussion. So we love being a part of that. Uh, tell all your friends team previews will continue leading up to the season. We will of course also be doing our annual preseason predictions episode, which is a ton of fun for everybody. We will make sure that you know when we are going to be Twitch streaming that episode. It'll be recorded for you podcast listeners as well. But if you can jump on and join us for that on Twitch, it'll be a blast. Um, we had a lot of fun at our live draft party stream. Uh, we had lots of people in the comments chiming in a whole lot of viewers giving us their takes as we were giving ours. And I think that would be very fun to do as the season kicks off here um, pretty shortly. Uh, so be be on the lookout for that. We'll definitely let you know when we're going to be doing our preseason pr- uh, predictions. I don't know why that's so hard for me to say. Um, but we, we do that every year, and then we give each other uh, crap for it throughout the season when we're wrong, and we celebrate it uh, vivaciously when we are right. Uh, so either way, that's going to be a blast for all of us. I, hopefully we'll have all four hosts on by then. Uh, Jason will have his internet figured out. Kyle will be in, in his house and everything. Um, and uh, team preview wise, if you are a Washington Mystics or Connecticut Sun fan, be on the lookout for episodes coming soon because you are up next. You guys made the playoffs last year and we are going to talk about it. <laughs> Man, I am so ready to talk about those two teams. For WNBA Nation, I am Logan Jones. I'm Steve Schwartzman. And we got you next time. <laughs>